You're listening to A Journey with Chris and American English. Welcome, welcome. A new week, a new episode. So, I am very excited about this week's episode because it is the first time that I've done an interview and it is the first time that I've done an interview with one of my listeners. Before we get on to the interview, I have an announcement to make. I know, I've been making a lot of announcements, so I'm sorry about that. Next week, I will be introducing my new co-host. I'm also very excited about that. He and I are working on a project together that I think you will find very interesting and very insightful if you are into the different facets of American culture, because as you may or may not know, the U.S. is comprised of many different states, many different dialects, different accents, there are different histories, different cultures, etc. And he and I would like to explore that together and share our experiences with you. Okay, that was it for the announcements. <laughs> with that being said, I want to introduce my guest. She is from Argentina. Her name's Nicole. And she is very passionate about learning English. She speaks a couple of other languages. We get into that in the podcast. But at the moment, her main focus is on English because she plans on studying in the U.S. next year or in a couple of years. All right. With that being said, let's begin. Bueno, hola, yo soy Nicole, y eh, vivo acá en Argentina, eh, nada, y me gustaría mucho estudiar en Estados Unidos cuando termine el colegio, y esa como que es mi razón principal porque, por la que estoy estudiando inglés, y sí. Ah, ok. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so, hello everyone, so, uh, so I'm Chris as usual, and I have a guest. Nicole, she's from Argentina. Uh, she introduced herself in Spanish. So uh, I speak a, a little bit of Spanish, not a lot. I have a, you can't see my background because I have like the a filter mm -hmm. on, but I have a whole bunch of Spanish books and I took Spanish at the university, but I've forgotten everything. One thing I thought that was really interesting is um, your Spanish is completely different than the Spanish that we learned at the university because we focus more on, um, on like European Spanish so I thought those really interesting. Yes, I can imagine because uh, the same as English that has British, Australian and American English in Spanish, we have like the Spanish spoken in Mexico, then spoken in Spain and in Argentina, it's actually, it has a different name. It's not Spanish, it's Castellano, but it's all the same, it's Spanish, but it, there are a lot of differences, not only in, uh, spelling, pronunciation, but also in vocabulary. That's just the way it is, I think. Are there any words sp specific to Argentina? Mm, there are many words such as British and in American English. I would mm -hmm. say that just a simple word here in Argentina, we say vos and in, in like Spain or in Mexico, they say tú, which is the uh -huh. same traduced you, but Oh yeah, I I read about that. That that's mentioned in a lot of books. Um, that that Vos is used a lot in 
in uh, Latin American Spanish in some countries, but we don't necessarily want to talk about Spanish. So I'm really interested in um, like how you learned English. So um, have you been to an English speaking country before, like Canada or the UK or the US? I've actually been there when I was about like 11 years old, but I wasn't really like that into the language because I started learning English when I was 10, I would say, at school. But it was like the third language because first I had like German and then it was English and it was only really the basics and really textbook English that it wasn't real life. So when I was like two years ago, I decided that I wanted to learn English like more seriously because I know it's the importance of learning English. Like you can travel the world, you can understand, like uh, communicate with locals. And I had like, I still have the dream of study in the US when I finish uh, next year school. So that's when I decided to really dig in and learn more real life English that will be more useful than just learning the animals in the zoo or something like that <laughs> yeah i had um so so i'm from the us obviously and um we had english class i'm sure you had like spanish class in school too it's pretty normal to study your own language at school um and we had like textbook german and textbook french um i didn't do spanish though so what kind of English did you guys learn at school? Was it more American oriented or like British or was it Canadian um, or was it like mixed? I'll definitely say it's more British English, even though oh. like, the teachers speak like American English and normal English, like the textbooks are I think they are for, from Cambridge and they have all the vocabulary or spelling that is in British English. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm actually very surprised. I thought you were going to say American because when we learn Spanish in the U.S., it's almost always Mexican Spanish. Um, unless you want to do like backpacking, then they try to do, I think what it's called is, like, is some kind of like neutral Spanish. Um, then a lot of people learn that, but um, it's very rare to learn European Spanish. I know the one thing they told us in school when we were learning Spanish is that uh, we don't need to learn uh, vosotros the the verb form because you, you never use it and so now I'm in, I'm in Europe and they use it all the time um, when you talk to people from Spain but yeah <clears throat> and so you said you wanted to uh, so two years ago you wanted to s learn English seriously so what did that consist of was that like listening to like a, a lot of American music or podcasts or uh, movies or books uh, it was mostly starting to speak because when I was like 15, I, I realized that I could understand like more or less everything, but I barely spoke and I didn't practice speaking. So then I looked for, I, I'm still looking for opportunities to speak because I always like have this, it's not a quote, it's just a saying, you say, do you speak English? You don't say, do you read or write in English? So I think that speaking is like the most important part. And so I started like to step out of my comfort zone and speak, even though I know I make a, a lot of mistakes, but I think that's the only way, that's the area that I most focus now is speaking. And I also like have, I watch some movies or TV series, videos, and I always like try to do it, not only passive listening or watching, but also active listening or watching. 
yeah i think speaking is definitely the most important part that's true um you can be you can be illiterate in a language um and still be fluent but i think it's really hard to not speak a language but be able to write it so i know with for example because i do i do french german and i'm doing japanese and i'm focusing more on speaking than writing because like i just never write there's there's really no need to, to write um although it's a lot more difficult than english because well we use the same letters um mm -hmm. and then you also mentioned that you did german did you learn that also on your own or did you learn german in school well, I actually learned it uh, at, at home, like my father is from there. So as a little kid, I, I started mm -hmm. to speak in German, but the main, main language was Spanish because my mother is from here and we, uh, as a family, we communicate in Spanish. But when I'm alone, I communicate with him in German. And I also went to a German school when I was in Brazil and then in Mexico, which was, but then I changed here in Argentina to a more bilingual school. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, you used to live in Brazil? Yes, it was Brazil, Panama and Mexico, but because of my father's job. Mm. So, but did you learn Portuguese? Yes, I learned it. It was like, I had to learn it. It was, but since I moved there when I was five years old, it was like, I learned it easy because I, I barely could speak, I could barely speak Spanish. So it was like easy to learn. Oh, so would you say that you speak it fluently or do you speak, uh, what's it called? I think it's called Portunol, like a mixture of like Spanish and, yeah, a mixture of Spanish and Portuguese. I would say that I can understand almost everything, but since I haven't practiced it for a while, uh -huh. I kind of lost my touch or I'm not really good at it anymore, um, but I can understand it. Oh, I'm a bit jealous. <laughs> uh, I think it, I think Spanish and Portuguese are are very interesting because they're they're very similar, but they're also very different. And I've heard from a lot of a lot of Portuguese speakers that it's easier for them to understand Spanish than the other way around because Spanish has less sounds than Portuguese, um, and Brazilian Portuguese is pretty popular even here in Europe. So there are a lot of Portuguese people. Um, a lot of people try to talk to me in Portuguese because some people think that I look like I'm Brazilian, but I'm not. <laughs> so, ah, okay. No, I definitely think that Portuguese is like a similar to Spanish, but for me, it's more difficult. <laughs> definitely, especially because of the pronunciation. Um, what you read is not definitely not the same of what you speak. So that's like um, something that I really struggle in Portuguese. All the, the writing has nothing to do when you speak it. And then that's pretty similar to, to, to English that I only know like, I like three words in Portuguese. That's really it. Uh, I can kind of guess what it means because I know Spanish and French and there's a lot of English there, but I don't like really speak it. So talking about pronunciation, um, how did you practice pronunciation for English then? Um, there's like, there's this technique called shadowing. I don't know if you've heard of that. Have, did you do something yes, like I've that? Heard I've heard of it and I try to do it, but uh, I'm not really consistent with it. But when I did it, I it was really useful, especially because if you want to imitate an accent or and if you record yourself and then compare it to a native speaker's voice, obviously you sound different, but it's a great way to see in which areas you still can improve. 
And then I mostly watch like videos about how your mouth or tongue should be situated so you can pronounce everything correctly. And yeah. That's that's very, I'm, I'm very, I must admit, I'm very impressed. It's very detailed. That's all you've put in a lot more work than, th than most people do. And, and it really shows. Um, is there like a specific accent are you going for? Because I know, at least from my experience, because I teach English online, that when non-natives reach a very high level in, uh, in English, they tend to have a very, I want to say mixed English. Like it's an English that doesn't really have a home um, because they take a bit from Canadian, they take a bit from American, a bit from British, and they, they just kind of mix it. And for me, it's always really confusing because in one sentence, they'll use like a lot of American expressions. And then in the next sentence, they'll maybe use like a British expression that I've never heard of because I'm not British. Um, so like back to the original question, is there a specific accent you're going for or just? Definitely there. I'm trying to have like an American accent because at first when I was 15, I started like just to learn English and I wasn't focusing on what's on one accent. But then I realized that not only pronunciation is different, but vocabulary, spelling. So I decided that I needed to go for only one side. Otherwise, I'll get really confused. So I went directly for the American. And But all the same, I tried to expose myself to Australian or British accent because for me, it's not enough to just know how to communicate with Americans if there are other British people who also speak English, but I don't know how to communicate. But I'm definitely trying to focus more to sound like an American. Oh, well, I like that. <laughs> I've met a lot of people who want to sound more British, so it's it's refreshing to hear that. Um, but as you pointed out, there are a, a lot of different accents, even within the US. So what you speak or what you're going for and what, what I speak natively um, is what we would refer to as a quote unquote general American, which is kind of, I don't really like the term, but it's it's established, so we have to kind of use it. Um, for those who don't know, general American is like the standard version of English that is spoken in the Midwest, which is where I'm from because I'm from Missouri. So it's more or less standard and anything from like the South. So Georgia, Florida, Texas, um, that's, it's still American English, but it's not general American English. It's Southern American English. Yeah. Um, that's a good point you bring up because a lot of people focus so hard on one accent that if they hear something else they can't understand it um like with spanish i'm sure you can understand dozens of different spanish accents uh but for me <laughs> well for me it's really hard to under the, the only ones i can understand are, are the european and the mexican like your spanish was a bit difficult for me because it was completely different <laughs> than what i'm used to so yeah so it's really useful um and so you said you tried to Uh, get used to different accents did you watch like movies in like British English because I know the BBC has like a lot of shows that you can watch uh, I think on their website what's it called like the BBC player I believe yes uh, actually I don't watch that much movies or tv series I really like when there are like interviews when there is a British person and an American person because then I can really like try to make out what are the differences and that's like the most part for me it's the most beneficial like comparing two accents and seeing oh yes in this part they pronounce differently this word is different in american than british accent so uh, i definitely try to look for in a video where you can compare both of accents or how they use vocabulary yeah that's a real challenge uh 
I don't know if I would be able to do that in Spanish. <laughs> that that sounds very difficult. Um, so when I moved to Germany almost 10 years ago, I'll never forget. Um, I was talking to my wife in English because I wasn't really comfortable with German. And there are these two Turkish kids that were standing right next to us. And they were really curious because they heard me speaking English. And, and the first thing they asked me is, are you from London? And I was like, I do not sound like I'm from London. Um, and so it's really difficult for people to actually hear the, hear the difference between different accents. Is that, or was that difficult for you in the beginning? Did it all sound like the same? Definitely. When I first started, I thought, oh no, everything is the same until I reached like more an intermediate level. But I think it all boils down to paying attention because mm -hmm. if you don't pay attention, you, you maybe you don't realize it. But then when I started to really dig in and more and more specific areas, then I started to notice that there are a lot of differences. But when I first started, I definitely couldn't notice mm -hmm. all the differences. And what was the biggest difference for you? I'd say pronunciation and vocabulary. Uh, and what about pronunciation? Because I think I said this in an episode, I think two episodes ago, um, I didn't notice that Americans really stress the R's. So if you say the word, for example, like nurse, you know, you really hit the R. Whereas in British English, you don't. So you would just kind of skip over it. And I, I can't do a British accent, but it would be something like nurse, you know, something somewhere around there. <laughs> So, yes, um, and also like I also noticed that in American English they pronounce like twenty bottle. They omit directly the d. Uh, no, the sorry, the double t. Whereas mm -hmm. in British English they pronounce it like really clearly bottle or, well, I can't say it now, but yeah. <laughs> Was that something that so the I think the sound with the t I think it's super interesting. Was that something that you you actively noticed or is it just something that you passively picked up? No, I, I try to actively notice, like I looked up differences in YouTube between British and American English. And then when I already knew that there were some differences, I started to notice them, but I definitely didn't pick them up on my own. I tried to, to learn them and identify the differences. Yeah, the T is, is, is really funny in English, um, depending on where you're from. So I have, um, so my new co-host, for example, he's from... Montana, and he stresses his T's more than I do. So if you take the word, for example, winter and winter, for me, it's the same word. So it's, it's just winter and winter. But mm -hmm. he, I think, I'll have to double check, but he usually makes a difference between the two. So he would say like winter and winter. So uh, even stuff like that, I think it's super interesting. Um, yeah, and definitely with the D. That's something that really confused me with, with British English. So if you take the word like metal with a T and then metal with a D, it's to say, for me, it's the same word, but for them, it would be something like metal and metal. But my British accent is terrible. No, but I think that <laughs> as long as we understand each other, for me, that, that's perfect. Like, of course, there are going to be some differences. Uh, but I think that the most important is communication and that's it. Mm -hmm. That That's true. I've... So what makes me really sad is that um, a lot of people who learn English are very nervous and they're very shy and they're very self-conscious because at least from my experience, if you don't speak English perfectly, then people make fun of you um, because, you know, it's like a global language and everyone wants to speak like, wants to speak it perfectly. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't like accent shaming people. So 
Um, the only thing I want people to do is, is, to, is to speak clearly. Um, and it doesn't really matter like which accent you use, if it's Australian or British or, or English. Um, do you, are there like any, I don't, um, I guess what I ask is, are there like a lot of tourists like around where you live, like where you, with, you can practice English with? Not really, like, uh, I think that I also don't really look for them, but when they <laughs> tourists arrive here, they tend to directly try to speak in Spanish, like, but yeah, I definitely think that there is a lot of stigma on the thing about when you speak that if you don't speak perfectly, you're going to be judged or, and that makes you feel afraid, but I definitely felt the same until yeah. I realized that I I won't get anywhere if I just keep silent and think I, I'm only going to start speaking when I speak perfectly because this moment will never arrive. So I just spoke and I really like a saying in German that is, dein letzter Fehler ist dein bester Lehrer, which oh. basically traduces like your last mistake is your best teacher. So I always get that and I will only learn if I make mistakes and then I correct them like for me and that's that has helped me like become more intermediate yeah I've never heard that expression but I really like it yeah um I'll be the first to admit that I'm super shy when it comes to speaking in a foreign language um even now even with German I'm always really uh like I don't have any problem speaking in German whatsoever it's my daily language I do university work all, all in German but um, I just don't like talking to people <laughs> in a foreign language for whatever reason. But yeah, it's true. Like you feel uh, people are going to judge you or think like, oh, they're stupid or they don't know how to speak. And uh, I had that. I, I also judged people for that at the very beginning. So um, I don't I don't remember what you said in Argentina. You said like when you're when you're 10, you start learning English at school. Is that what you said? Yes, and when I was 10. Is, would that be middle school or is that like high school? It was middle school, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. So in the U.S., usually it's, well, now we're a bit more progressive. So some people are starting in middle school, but but classically speaking, we learn a foreign language in high school, and usually you have like the big three. You have Spanish, which almost everyone does, but no one can speak, <laughs> and then you have French, and then you have German, and before that, like, because I had always come in contact with a lot of people who are learning English, but I never understood why it was so difficult for them because English was so easy like I speak it my friends speak it, everyone speaks it so like I thought English was like a super easy language and so I didn't understand why people were having trouble learning English and you know you meet people who've been here for like 30 years and they still can't speak English and then once you learn a language like any language then you realize like oh this is really difficult and it feels like you're like you're starting over, like you're like a baby again. Did you have that feeling too when you were like doing, like learning English? Yes, definitely. I think that when you only know like your first language when in your native language, like you feel confident, you can speak. But then when you start to learn other languages, you start to empathize with the, all the problems and difficulties related to learning a language and the thing about making mistakes and feeling nervous when speaking. So for me, when I first, when you learn another language is then when you start to really empathize and see all the difficulties that you couldn't see before when you only, when you just focus on your native language. So for me, like learning a new language is like, 
it helps you a lot to empathize with people who are around you and see that it's, it's really difficult in some parts, even though you can't see it if it's your native language, but from another perspective, like in another, from another point of view, you can see all the difficulties. Well, at least in my experience. And what, so, so talking about the topic of difficulty. So what was the, the most difficult thing for you with respect to English? Uh, I think definitely the most difficult part was starting to speak because I could understand like everything. But when I started to hear like natives and more advanced content, such as native speakers, they use a lot of connect connected speech and idioms and phrasal verbs that I was really used to pronouncing everything clearly and I, slowly. But then when I wanted to speak, I realized that I, I came across directly as a as a non-native speaker, as a learner. So trying to, having that feeling of feeling that you will not, that you're not good or that, yes, basically mm. that you're not good enough at that language or that you're not going to sound like really natural. That was like my biggest difficulty. And the fact of making mistakes and making a fool out of myself is <laughs> also really like big. But then I realized that mistakes are like my, my friend if I try to correct them. Yeah, well, I mean, making a fool of yourself, I mean, it's a bit harsh, but I, I think people give you that feeling. I think people give you the, the feeling that you're making, making a fool out of yourself because a lot of people are monolingual. So when you, when you don't know their language, it's, it's pretty easy to judge. Like I said, like I used to judge like non, like non-natives, but that was oh, like 15 years ago <laughs> since then I've done like, I don't know how many languages, um, in English, in English, you have the expression like a master of like a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Um, and so I like to dabble in different languages, but I'm I'm really, I'm really only good at like three or four, but I've probably done like fifteen. Um, <laughs> wow. but yeah, but it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, because um, I think I've also mentioned the podcast is that I study linguistics in French, so I have a lot to do with languages. And right now, I'm doing com computational linguistics, which is, which is without making it very long and boring for people who don't really care about the topic, it's uh, using computers to analyze natural speech. Um, and so you said that you're studying English, you've been doing it um, very intensively and you want to go to the US. What exactly do you want to study there? Will that, is English as like a, a means to an end or do you want to study English at, at like the university? Uh, I'm actually not quite sure, but I have the idea of being a psychologist or oh, wow. something related to like the neuroscience. I'm really into that and I would like to study that. And I know it has some really like specific language or uh, vocabulary, but I think I'm confident if I keep learning English, I will do it. But that's definitely an idea that, that I have to learn something related to psychology or neuroscience. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's pretty difficult. Um, mad respect. <laughs> I did uh, a semester of psychology at the or at, at community college. And that was, it was very interesting, but it's, it's pretty intense. Um, do you, you already do stuff like that in Spanish at the moment? Like, do you read like books about that, about psychology? Yes, definitely. I have like a subject, just one in school that is psicología which mm -hmm. is psychology introduced. Yeah. But then on my own, in my free time, I love to learn more about, I don't know, past psychologists such as uh, Freud or Carl Jung that I am really interested in how to human brains and personal development content. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, both of them um, are German. Or not, sorry, German speaking. Um, Freud was, I believe he was Austrian. Um, and so, you know, German, have you tried reading that in German at all? Like any of their works? Not really. I tried to expose myself <laughs> to just English, but I heard that these are, they are from Germany or something related to that. Ah, okay. Um, and yeah, so yeah, it's, pr it's pretty difficult. And so, so you said you, you, your native language is Spanish, you've done Portuguese, um, English, obviously, and German. Do, are you just, are you interested in languages or these things that you've just encountered in your life? Because uh, there are some people who, I don't know, like they live in a village and they are exposed to like six different languages, so to speak. Uh, and then there are people who actively seek out these languages. Um, how would you categorize yourself, if at all? I would definitely say that uh, Spanish, well, it's my native language, but then Portuguese and German is that what I encounter because of my circumstances or that I moved to Brazil or that my father is from there. The only language that I really like seek to, to, to learn was English, but the other ones were just like because of it. Um, but I also think that when you already know two languages or one language, it's it becomes way more easier to learn another language. There's the thing about confusing some words and things, but well, in my experience, I realized that a lot of words or things are connected. And when I already knew like German, Spanish and Portuguese, it was easier to understand some parts of English because I could connect it with my other languages. So I don't know for me that that happened. Maybe it happened also to you. Yeah, that no, definitely. So so the one thing that makes me really sad is that um, English has lost a lot of its Germanic roots. So English is at its core a Germanic language. And I think you can see this as well as I can if you examine basic words in German. So for example, if you take the word mother and then you with the English, the, the German word muta, but it's also similar to the, to the Spanish word madre and stuff. So, and when you examine like basic vocabulary in all these languages, you see how similar they are. Um, but Spanish is actually, I think, easier for English speakers than German, just because English has, has so much influence from Latin, French, uh, Greek, and Spanish that you just see a lot of the words, whereas in German, you actually don't really see them at all. Um, and so it's kind of a toss-up. So I would say German grammar is very similar to English grammar, but vocabulary is just like not at all similar. Um, whereas with Spanish, it's the other way around. Like Spanish, a lot of the words are similar, but the grammar is completely different. Um, but but still, it's 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 very interesting. Um, very interesting to see those differences. Do you have like your sights set on like a language in the future that you would like to learn, or you just want to concentrate on English and then just see what happens later? Well, at the moment, I'm just trying to focus on learning English, like because I, as you said, I don't want. Uh, it's for me, it's like excellent to be a jack of all trades. But I also want to focus on one language and really become fluent in it. Because if I learn like seven languages now, I will probably get confused. It will be easier to learn because I can connect with um, other languages that I already have in my long-term memory. But I'll definitely get more. I'll definitely not master none. So I'll definitely try to learn more English and try to become fluent. So yeah. Yep that that's the it's it's very addictive to like dabble in things because um i don't know people don't like commitment 
and sticking to one language and getting really good at it. Um, while it feels good, I would say it feels very good to have a very high level in one language. And it's not very impressive for some people. So if you say, for example, I don't know, you speak like seven languages at a very basic level and they think that's super impressive when really it's, it's more of like a, like a party trick, I would say, like say something in French, say something in, in Russian, but you can't actually use it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. That, that's true. Um, <clears throat> and you said a while back that a lot of people who come to Argentina, they try and like speak Spanish. How well would you say they speak Spanish? Is it just like, like a basic level um, or was it, would it be like passing? Would they be able like to live there? Well, I definitely think it depends on the person, but I see that a lot of people come from either from Europe or from the United States. And you can definitely notice that they speak Spanish from my experience that I had with tourists, but you can notice that they have like a thick accent of their native language. But I think it really depends on the person, but mostly they, they can speak it, but they still have a really accent, which for me is like excellent, at least as long as they can communicate and understand each other. But the funny is that you, you always notice it. Ah, yes, they come from Europe or, oh no, they come from the <laughs> United States. There are a lot of Europeans in Argentina. I would have never guessed that. But backpacking in Latin America is always very popular. People always say, I, for example, I mentioned I did Spanish at university and a lot of people in that class were only learning Spanish because they wanted to go backpacking in Latin America um, to go to like Mexico and Panama and Chile and all the, all those different countries. But have you um, been to Europe before? Oh, you said, did, have you been to Europe before? But you said you were in Germany. So that kind of defeats the question. Uh, yes, I've been in Germany when I was like 10 years old, but uh, two times. I didn't went to Europe like since 2015, I think, so five years ago. And I went to the US uh, three years ago. But since I wasn't really into the language, I, I just spoke Spanish. I went to Texas and then there's really a lot of people speak yeah. Spanish. So <laughs> I barely got exposed to the English language and I just stayed comfortable and spoke Spanish. <laughs> Oh, that, that, I find that very interesting. So obviously, because Texas, one, it was, I guess someone can correct me, but it used to be at least part of Mexico, but it's on the border of Mexico. So obviously there are a lot of Spanish speakers there. Um, how did they react to their Spanish? Like what do, what do, what do uh, Mexican speakers think of Argentinian Spanish or do they even have an opinion? had an experience where they say oh no yeah from Argentina but I can see that they are from Mexico or they're the people who speak Spanish have a Mexican accent and not not usually um, an Argentinian accent so that's something that I noticed directly uh, that they, they they're not like they have like the Mexican accent I think it's because Mexico is right below mm-hmm. uh, of the United States but I, I didn't hear, hear no one about from Argentina. Um, yeah, that's that's super interesting. Yeah, because for a lot of Americans, Spanish is just Spanish. So if, if you speak Spanish, you're automatically Mexican. And you learn, <laughs> for, you learn very fast that you shouldn't say that. So usually I, the way I get around that is um, I just say that Spanish speaking or maybe Hispanic because uh, if you don't speak Spanish, it, it does kind of all sound the same. Um, 
which I don't, I don't like saying that, but, but it is true. Like if you don't master the language, then it's, it's really hard to tell the difference. Like for example, like Korean um, at my university, there are a lot of Koreans. And I always ask them like, what does like a North Korean accent sound like to you? And they said it sounds really old. Um, sounds like someone from like a hundred years ago. And another example is like, for example, like French in Canada. Um, I always wondered what it sounded like because I knew they I knew they spoke French, but when I would listen to them, like it, it just sounded French to me. And now when I speak French, it sounds uh, completely different than France. Like you would never, like if you speak French, you would never guess that they're from France. Like they they sound so so Canadian, but it's cool. I think it's really cool. Um, but yeah, so do you have like any tips for because you're a Spanish speaker? So I would assume that a lot of Spanish speakers have more or less the same difficulties. Um, do you have like any tips for people who have Spanish as a native language that might be useful for them when they're learning English? Like something that Spanish speakers should pay attention to? Um, I'll definitely say pronunciation because that's something when you already start speaking and you make the same mistake again and again, you start to like really get used to the way you, you say it and you don't notice that other people are, it's, it's, say, it's said in another way. So definitely focus on pronunciation, like right when you are starting to learn English, because then it's easier to form that habit of pronouncing certain sounds a certain way. And then, well, just speak. Don't overthink it and speak because I think that's, as I said, the best way to learn a language and to really speak it. And even though everyone makes mistakes, I still make mistakes and yeah. Well, yeah, we can all make mistakes. Um, I just don't like it when people shame people for making mistakes, um, but, uh, but you said speaking, do you also focus, like do you focus at all on uh, reading and writing? Definitely. I try uh, mostly writing and reading. Well, actually all the, the areas of English, but I always try to do it like in an active way. If I'm listening to write a summary of what I heard or I don't know, but something, even though it's out input, such as reading or listening, I try to always have something that's active. Mm. So there there, there are different schools of thought. So there's this one school that says um, you should as consume as much content as possible in a given language. Let's say, for example, like a year. I don't know. And then you start speaking. And then there's another school that says, no, 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 no. You should speak from day one. Like uh, the, the first day when you start learning a language, you should start speaking. Do you have an opinion on that? Or have you heard of that? Uh, I haven't heard of that, but I definitely would say like start speaking from the day one because then it starts like it gets easier because if you always put it off like, oh, no, when only in one year, when I'm ready, when I'm ready, <laughs> this day will never come. So I would say just speak for like the first time. And yeah, uh -huh. I'll definitely. <laughs> yeah, um, there, there are a lot of uh I want to say like so-called polyglots on YouTube. And that's a, it's a very popular opinion that you should consume as much content as possible in the language, because the thinking is if you consume enough content, you'll develop this, this intuition, like this is how it should be. So you can do a lot of self-correction. Um, I don't know how true that is because I spoke from day one too. Um, 
because I don't, I don't want to wait that long. I don't want to wait three years to speak like Spanish or French. It's really boring. Uh, okay. Um, so yeah, so I think that that'll do it for, for today. Do you have um, like any, any advice that you want to give the listeners uh, before we go in, in, or any comments or anything that you, you forgot to say, but you wanted to say at the end? No, maybe just if you're learning English, I started like in a really boring way, learning grammar or vocabulary. And I realized it, it was really boring. And at least for me, English should be something that you enjoy and, and not that's just a school subject and that's it. So I would say try to find the ways that are that really that you lose track of time when you are such as maybe watching a movie or uh, doing something or speaking about someone in your speaking about your hobbies but in english in a way that is enjoyable that you feel it's not a subject or a, but at the same time that you learn something so yeah try to do it in a fun way and look for yeah that's it <laughs> yeah i like that that's really good um I think I've mentioned that once or twice, but I, I really like the advice. I think learning language should be fun. Um, and I guess one last thing before I go, I'm very, um, I like to wander. I like to do lots of different things. I have a whole, whole bunch of different hobbies and I always feel bad for not doing, for not completing stuff. And my wife's philosophy is, well, it's if you're doing for fun and if it's not fun and it's a hobby, then stop doing it. So yeah, so definitely try and make English fun, like any language, like Spanish, French, Russian, Japanese, Chinese, doesn't matter. Um, you got to have fun. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. I thought it was a very interesting conversation. I hope everyone else thought so too. Uh, thanks again. <laughs> Thank All you right. for having me. Okay. All right. It was a pleasure. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. That was it for today's episode, for today's interview. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the podcast, if you like the episode, please consider joining our Discord. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, you can contact me uh, in the Discord. I will include the link in the description. We welcome all feedback, all comments, all criticisms, provided that they are constructive. I also want to thank Nicole again for having this interview with me it was a very interesting experience talking to someone who learned english to a very high level and i'm very interested in seeing how she develops her abilities further all right thanks again for listening and until next week bye